When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. I had to fail, had to fall, just for what I did well. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word. Australia, Pakistan Daily. Day four from Sydney. A beautiful sunshine. Jeff Lemon, Adam Collins. The show brought to you by Seabus Super. And you, Adam, are going to tell me about everything that happened today in the space of 30 seconds. All right, Pakistan started at 7 for 68, a lead of 82. They had Rizwan and Jamal there, who looked good for half an hour, but fell in consecutive overs. Pakistan all out for 115 in their second dig, leaving Australia 130. Warner got 57 of them, played all the old hits. Labashain made 62 not out. Warner didn't hit the winning runs because Sajid Khan got him, got Kawaja as well at the start. Australia win by eight wickets. They win it inside 26 overs, and really, the David Warner farewell couldn't have gone much better. It was, I mean, it, it, it could only have gone better if they needed uh, 50 more to chase and he was able to get to 100. Yeah. Um, but that didn't happen. Sajid did his bit, tried hard, took the new ball, um, opened it up. I mean, there was a little bit there. We said last night it had to be Rizwan and Jamal, and they did carry on for a while. They, they added 42 together yeah. um, and batted with a bit of enterprise, um, but it was always going to be difficult um, for them to be able to put together enough. But they at least gave Pakistan that something. And this, last night we thought, well, if they get 120 ahead, you can win a test match from there. You've got that. Yeah. There, there's that possibility. And if you can get a wicket early, and they did, they get Kawaja with the most marginal of marginal LBWs, the off spinner around the wicket, uh, turning it. It wasn't really straightening down the line. It was turning down the line. You could see Kawaja's off stump, so I think that's why the umpire gave it out. But it was it was umpire's call on impact and umpire's call on stump impact. So pad and stumps, two yellow lights given on the field. So that remained. And they could have got nervous, Australia. They could have got nervous there, but they didn't. Um, Warner put the foot down, struck a couple of boundaries, played that big reverse sweep got them going again and Labuschagne played a much more aggressive enterprising innings than we've seen from him in a long time. Yeah, just on the narrow chase, the 130 thing, the awkward fourth innings chase and all the other Tricky cliches. Small target. Uh, I realised when watching Funny game cricket. I realised when watching that Warner hasn't been part of many of those, mm. indeed of any and by that I mean when Australia have had an awkward little chase, he bats in that way, he bats aggressively and invariably doesn't feel very awkward for very long. Right. So today was the 30th anniversary from when Fanny de Villiers bowled out Australia here. They were all out for 106 chasing whatever it was, about 100 and 
17 from memory or something like that. And mm -hmm. that was in an era where those things happened far more routinely. You look, you look through David Warner's career, as I, as we all were doing today, he finishes yep. with the fifth most runs for test openers, 8,800 and a bit or something like Fourth, that. I reckon. He's gone. He's, well, you think uh, got Cook in first, Gavaskar in second, Graham Smith in third, Gooch in fourth, now Warner But in Gooch, fifth. not all of his ones were made opening. So oh, no, if you sure, look sure, at sure. it in terms, yeah. of, in terms of runs made as an opener, okay. then Warner's fourth. Right, that, that's fair enough. But I'm going to count Gooch because most of his work was done as an opener. So if you look at their strike rates, Cook 47, Gavaskar 43, Smith 60, uh, Gooch 49 and Warner mm. 70. Now, I know Smith and Warner played in a similar era, but that's part of the reason why these 130 or so chases went the way of Australia when he was playing because so long as he got in, there was so much pressure on the fielding team, they couldn't afford to have nine men around the bat and doing the thing that might have been possible yep. if you had players that were more conventional and more in keeping with what we've grown to expect watching cricket growing up that you might creep to a target like that and take no chances whatsoever. Warner had the alternative approach, the reverses, the switch hits today, the attempted reverse lap at one point. Um, I reckon we've seen more of Warner doing that kind of thing in the last three test matches than we have in the last three years or even the last 10 years. He really became the kind of player who only saved that stuff for 2020 cricket. But yeah, always the innovator, always an enterprising player, to use that term again, uh, that he uh, fed that into his final test series and that felt appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, it also would have felt appropriate had he hit the winning runs, but at least, as I said to him then when interviewing him, he's not leaving in tears like most careers, like most political careers end in tears. Well, Warner's doesn't. It ends with his kids having the time of their lives out on the field, streamers everywhere, um, all the adulation, mm -hmm. all the appreciation of the crowd. Who would have thought that was possible uh, when we were at Newlands back in 2018? It's a pretty special turnaround. Well, I mean, I suppose there was that point, and I look at that point in time where he might have said, "Well, screw it, you know, I'm done with playing, trying to play for Australia. Um, I feel hard done by all the rest of it." And he might have just given it away and gone on the T20 circuit. Um, he spoke extensively about Test cricket in pretty much all of his media spots yep. today. He talked to all the TV networks, all the radio stations, um, and all the rest of it. And, and he said in one of the TV spots, you know, this, they were asking him about the cap that he'd found, and he said, this is this is the thing that I want young players to think about. You yep. can achieve this. There is nothing bigger in cricket than to achieve this. Um, and so it, it is interesting. I'm sort of I'm, I'm writing the Warner career a bit, kind of halfway through pondering that at the moment. And, and that is one of the things that I think stands out, is that someone who came in as a T20 player, played T20 cricket for Australia before playing first class, cricket was always seen as this new generation brash basher and all the rest of it is someone who prized test cricket above everything else in his career played 112 test matches would have played more if he hadn't uh, ruled himself out of all the ones that he was suspended for and that was the most important thing for him to to have the, the to put in the physical effort the training the rehab all the rest of it to be fit for test cricket and to take on the more demanding physical task of it He's he's the unlikely champion of Test cricket for someone who's always associated with a short form game. Yeah, it's really nicely summed up. I asked him a similar question about Test cricket, and his answer was like really upbeat, inspiring. And he wasn't just talking to Aussie kids, by the way. He was talking to kids around the world. He wants Test cricket to be the form that's valued more than any other. He is a smart guy. Like I mean, he's a street smart guy. He appreciates what's going on in the global game. That. The, the trends that we talk about all the time on this podcast and uh, he wants to be part of the rearguard he wants to be part of the counter-attack for mm. test cricket on test cricket's behalf in retirement in the same way that he's made it so watchable as a player and look there are always going to be people a lot of them who have a very strong view about David Warner and that I think in many ways predates 
what happened in Cape Town in 2018. Yep. There is a PhD to be written on uh, on on reactions to David Warner, mm -hmm. the human being, uh, and I don't want to get into that right now. But I've got some pretty strong views that I say off camera about the types of people who take umbrage with David Warner for being the type of way he is, and. Now, he's going to go out and be a mm. controversial commentator, right? He's going to be out there giving strong opinions and that'll cultivate a whole bunch of uh, negative attitudes towards him in the future as well. But it's worth remembering in all of that, he, he doesn't actually take too much to heart. He's got a very thick skin. You've got to be in this business uh, doing what he does and he's well beyond what happened in 2018. Uh, I don't think they'll be the tell-all book. I don't think they'll be there. Here's what happened in the dressing room at Newlands. He's happy to carry that with him, even though he has kind of alluded to the truth setting him free one day. It's not going to be setting him free anytime soon. Mm. And I think that's commendable as well, that he's going to carry that with him as his, uh, his price to pay is more than yep. the punishment. It's that a lot of people out there will never accept him. And that's just the way that life breaks sometimes. I, I understand the negativity towards Warner. I understand that there are particularly a week like this, it's a valedictory week. People brush over all of that stuff. They brush over all of the negatives. They don't. Um, it's like at a funeral, right? You don't get sure. up and speak ill of the dead. There's that kind of convention. Um, and there are plenty of negatives, and it's not just Newlands, it's not just Paul Tampering. There, there are plenty of other points in Warner's career that have been pretty ugly and, and pretty unfortunate. Um, and that's real, right? You can, exactly. you, you, can, you can remember those things, you can put those to the forefront if you want, or you can kind of come back to the line that we've come back to a lot of times, which is that, you know, early Facebook relationship status, it's complicated. Yeah. And there's more to it. Um, there, is, there are negatives, there are positives, and I think you can look at that whole picture and not be all hooray celebration heroics and not be all he's terrible and the worst person ever to, to play the game so there's a lot of binary stuff but I think it's reasonable in the week of his last test to celebrate what he did achieve which is play 112 tests for Australia make 26 test hundreds make his 37th half century today it's a massive career um, it's a hugely influential career and I, I think it's okay to, to pay tribute to that yeah I think that last word's important influential like he has given a lot of young people a pathway he said it uh, I think on the big screen wasn't it with Mark Howard that kids who want to be white ball players and hone those skills there is room for them in test cricket he's shown that so mm. I think that might end up being his legacy more than any of the numbers impressive yeah. as they are the 22nd most test runs ever mentioned the strike rate already the relative record compared to other openers it's going to be uh, that, that he is shown away mm. and in a world where there are competing interests we want people who love the game and who mm -hmm. want to focus on who are gifted enough to play professional that is um, who are who are capable to be t20 plunderers and good luck to them for it yep. that there is still home for them there is room for them playing this form as well and yeah. prioritizing it where it is possible to there's do a so. little link to this test match interestingly would Sam you have been being picked for pakistan yeah, now point. if the warner thing hadn't worked 12 years earlier. Yeah, it's a great point. Like, Sam, you might go on to play 112 test matches as well, or he might play four, mm -hmm. but he wouldn't have got one if not for players like David Warner. And you think about how it old he is right now. You know, he would have been nine or ten when Warner burst onto the scene. I don't know how much influence he personally had, but players like that, uh, which is why he's been able to play T20 cricket first, then play uh, first-class cricket at a high enough level mm -hmm. to reach the test team. There are some similarities there. Yeah, so that's, it's interesting. And, and Pakistan, I mean, it, it's one of these series where 3-0 doesn't really adequately reflect it. So Pat Cummins won player of the series, which I was glad to see because batters always get it. And so I thought Mitchell Marsh was an absolute lock. <laughs> Cummins, 19 wickets at 12 in the series, um, dominant three fifers on the trot. Was you know took important yep. wickets at important times throughout to make sure Pakistan didn't win a test in Melbourne or Sydney. They could have won either of these two test matches. They had they had points in both games, several points in both games where they were on top, um, and they could have 
really exerted that pressure on Australia. Um, and each time it was just that the quality of Australia's bowling eventually told. There were mm. c collapses, not always full team collapses, but rushes of wickets that set Pakistan far enough back that they weren't able to come back from it. So in the third innings, they should have had this game. They should have got a lead of 200 and something and made it really difficult for Australia. Um, and in Melbourne, the way that they were knocked over towards the end there when they, they were in with a chance as well. You know, the Australian bowlers were able to produce enough quality at, at the right times to be able to push Pakistan out of it but it's 3-0 where Pakistan were well in two of the test matches and even though they were never in Perth as a contest they did compete at times in Perth. Yeah they, they didn't win uh, sessions in Perth they won hours mm. in Melbourne they won sessions and you know at different points here it felt like they were winning kind of half a day but that's never sufficient against Australia and even this morning you know, the microcosm of that that partnership that built to 42 did look really good Rizwan and Jamal Jamal's better than a test number eight and Rizwan is clearly uh, the guy that should have been in that side from the outset they'll reflect on picking Safraz ahead of him at the start as, as an error but you know then Nathan Lyon rocks up with 500 plus test wickets and gets Rizwan uh, caught at leg slip I don't think we talk enough about David Warner at leg slip either. It is kind of a specialist position that's come back into fashion in the yeah. last 10 years and Warner's been part of that. And, and he's and a then, player who made himself a slipper when he wasn't, because he was always a prowling around the sort of covers um, yep. somewhere, you know, inside the circle in white ball terms because he was so mobile. We saw him at the World Cup where he was so good in the deep. He went out at deep mid-wicket. He takes those two match-turning campaign-turning uh -huh. catches against Sri Lanka out there. Um, the, the incredible surety of his hands under really high balls in the deep. But in test cricket, he turned himself into a slipper about halfway through through his career and yep. it's interesting when you look at say someone like Smith who's now creeping up on Mark War in terms of catches taken um, Warner with a similar number of tests played far few, what about 90 catches that he's ended up with 91 maybe in test cricket compared to Smith who's pushing up towards 170 in the into that 170s now so Warner didn't get the, the opportunity to take those glut of catches earlier in his career but since he became a slipper he became a really good one and that's a interesting part of the replacement for himself um, not strictly speaking around the catching but you know it's part of it right they want to have someone who well they, they put it this way whoever they pick they're going to have to replace him at leg slip mm. and they're going to have to work out how they reconfigure the cordon and we know um, learning from what we've seen in the past that when you change a cordon it can take a while for them to settle yeah. again so that'll be part of the, the conversation around the windies when we get to Adelaide in a couple of weeks well you not me but I'm not actually doing that test I'm back in the UK but there'll still be daily shows from that series um, with the replacement to Warner question. Um, we've been banging on about Stephen Smith replacing him for ages. I see that it's picked up some wide attraction uh, to the point where um, he was asked about it on the ABC last mm -hmm. night, Steve Smith, and he is extremely open to being the test opener. I think we all assumed that, oh, it's a good idea in theory, in the abstract, moving Steve Smith there. Like, oh, if you put it on a whiteboard, it feels quite elegant. Mm -hmm. You know, Cameron Green goes into four, you and I thrashed this out a few days ago, but Smith will never do it. He'll never want something like that. He won't want to move too far from the tram track that he's happy playing in at the moment, even if his returns have been somewhat diminishing of late, acknowledging that we had a bit of a go at him last night. But he says himself, this is something that he's quite keen on. And I mm -hmm. asked Marnus Labashain about it after play, and Marnus is like, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, he can see it too. Okay. So this isn't just kind of like a vibesy you and me on the podcast kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and Pete Lawler wrote a piece during the week that, that went to it as well. This is now a thing. It's entirely possible with Steve Smith's consent that he could become the next Australian yeah. opener. And that would mean Green comes in at four and, well, that's the best possible solution to the slipper problem because Green might be the best gully to ever play the game and they'll find sure. a way um, to make that work. Who knows, he might even go in the first slip. I'm sure he'd do perfectly fine there. However, I, I suspect yeah. gully would be well, where Green, he'd return Green to. Green could be first and second slip, effectively. Yeah. Um, How, what yeah. would you do there? If, if he's the best gully ever, 
would you put him in first slip because more balls are going to end up with him? And there's a, I mean, is that how you do it? Or do you go Maybe. Kawaja first, Smith second, yeah, Green I'd, prowling third and gully? Probably Kawaja first, because usually Kawaja's third and Warner's yeah. been in first. So you've got to find a first slip. Um, but yeah, if you bring in Green back in, I guess you've got Marsh who can go into third if True. you need one, or True. first. You often have the tall player at first slip yep. um, with, with the wider reach, so it might be Marsh at first, Smith two, Kawaja three, Green gully is how I'd see it. And Green at four, I don't mind that because, you know, he. He, he does take his time. I think Green needs to develop some more confidence because he so often comes out in a really defensive mindset in Test cricket and he still, he still bats like a 20-year-old even though he's like 24 now. <laughs> um, he still bats like the new kid who's trying to find his way but he's played enough Test cricket that he doesn't deserve that latitude for finding his way anymore. And the other option still remains Labuschagne and again, this came up after play and he's like, well, I'll do whatever the team wants me to do. Hmm. Uh, and the follow-up was kind of like, well, Andrew McDonald's kind of hinted it might be you. And he's like, if they want it, that's fine. But I'm extremely happy at three. Pair of 60s in this game. He looks really good today, Labuschagne. He yep. looked the best I've seen him for quite a while, probably since when he saved that test at Manchester, just in terms of the aesthetic yep. of the way he was playing the ball, the way he was using his feet. He said something to us about the bat swing. I didn't detect that, but he feels like the bat's coming down straighter than it was before. So he's humming nicely, moving into the second half of the summer. When they'll have that recalibrated top six and then on to New Zealand and on and on. On it goes. It could Jeff. be this. This could be Hall of Fame, but Manus really wasn't reading the room today. The number of times he took a run off the last ball or the oh, fifth yeah, ball yeah. in the over, when Warner's just gone past fifty, and it's like people just want to watch Warner bat at this point. And yes, I know you've got a Test match to win and all the rest of it, but once you've got thirty or forty runs to win, you're probably pretty safe at that stage. Um, yeah, he just he was he was really going after it. He was monstering boundaries. He was smashing them through the covers, and then he was pinching the strike, and it was like. Mm. I mean, I know you don't want to fully Kale Rahul it um, to, to manipulate everything, <laughs> but maybe maybe sometimes you just block out the last couple. You're going to get some nasty comments, Jeff, as we care. move to the final word that's Hall of Fame. That's not how you play cricket. The final word Hall of Fame is brought to you by Seba Super. As yeah. I open my phone in a really clumsy way, 40th anniversary of Seabus Super. We have said so much about them through the course of this series and we're proud to do so, be it their returns, be it their dedication to where they make their investment in the industries where most of their 900,000 members come mm -hmm. from, be it the insurance that's been a part of their offering from the get-go, uh, be it the way they recruit more people into the fund and that collective strength of that investment that they can make around the country. This is Seabus. Uh, this is what they do. This is why superannuation is an elegant solution to a complicated public policy problem that goes back decades now. And CBUS are at the forefront of that with trade unions and workers and employers working in concert, working together, collaboration. Mm -hmm. Collaboration. Collaboration. That's not the bad way, not the sort of Vichy France way. No. Collaboration. We, no, no, no. No, 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 no Patain here. No, no, no Marshall Patain. No, no, no. He, uh, he, he, he bad. eerily close to another French word, which is less complimentary. <laughs> he bad. Seabus yeah. good. Seabus good. Less fishy France. Less fishy. More industry super. Seabussuper.com.au. Yeah. 8.99% average return across 40 years in their default my super fund. Their past performance, as good as it is, is no reliable indicator on future performance. The final word of Hall of Fame documents our final word moment of the day. Jeff, yeah. you go first, and I've got a few. I think uh, I, I'm just going to go wholesome today. I really liked that they let the crowd out onto the SCG oh, for the presentation. So today. good. So they, they did it at Melbourne last week, too. Why did we not do this in every test match everywhere? 
I mean, some of them, there'd be nobody left to come onto the ground. But um, <laughs> here here it worked really well. At 37,000 in yesterday, uh, I think it was, uh, did we crack 30 today? The previous days were all 30 plus. Good crowds in, in yep. Sydney. The weather played ball today. Um, but So they sort of roped off a wedge of the ground where the podium was. They could get up and do the presentations and have the players come in and out of their, their race to the dressing rooms and so on without um, having to go through crowds of people. But on the other uh, the other sides of the of the triangle, I think we were talking Pythagoras last night, um, the crowd was able to come in, get up to the rope, get closer to the presentation, see it happen, hear it, um, and it was lovely. And, and, you know, the streamers went off and then you got all the little kids of the players running out and playing in the streamers. It was very wholesome stuff and it's, it's moments like that that make me feel good about cricket. Yeah, you're reminded that this dressing room, I think they've got more children than players now or something like, something right. like that. They've got so many kids in the team. Everyone bar Manus is in their 30s. I know Manus has uh, procreated already in his 20s. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's that kind of vibe. It's very family-friendly. Very family friendly. Uh, Warner's eldest daughter was running around with the streamers all over her body and, you know, having the time of her life and Mitch Marsh said to us that he remembers doing that kind of thing when his dad was the coach of the Australian yeah. team and there's that, that link in the chain that continues through. Warner says, hopefully my girls will be inspired to play cricket for Australia themselves one day. I'm like, this is the stuff that you know mm-hmm. that, that really matters and I saw Alex Carey have a very relatable moment with his little girl he was about to run up on stage to the trophy lift or you know with the team and then his daughter started bawling her eyes out when he was trying to put her down he's like what am I going to do I'm going to miss the trophy lift called for his wife who sprinted over and grabbed her bawling when she was taken away uh, from daddy which was you know a, a sad and nice at, at the same time mm-hmm. it's my daughter Peggy's first birthday today and I uh, and had a lovely morning with her before coming into the SCG and I'm really glad in a way the game's finished early enough that I'll see her before she um, has to tuck away and go to bed herself but um, yeah that, that family thing is real it's not confected and I think it's part of the maturity of this team and you know, we spoke about Warner earlier and the challenges that dressing room had. It was a very different dressing room then. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I don't think that's a correlation thing. I think that's a causation thing. I reckon right. they've kind of, as one, as a generation, kind of got their act together at the same yeah. time, off the field as well as on. Yeah, so that felt good. I mean, Pakistan being competitive felt good. I, I think I think they've won a fair bit of goodwill for the way they played through this series. And the you know the spirit in which it was conducted and Sean Masood up on the stage presenting Warner with the yeah. with Barbar Azam's test shirt that they'd all signed, one of those nice sort of gestures of respect between the teams. It's not um, like the Brisbane one with Nathan Lyon. I still think that was a nice thing to do. Everybody else is very <laughs> cynical about that, but occasionally, uh, occasionally I'm less cynical than others. It was funny, it was funny. I got a few other Warnery bits, or well, at least one Warnery bit. He needed 91 not out today uh, to have an average of 45 at the end and that was on for a while mm. Marnus was like yeah I knew I knew that there was a hundred you know potentially in the offing but it wasn't the kind of pitch where he could bat that way he had to bat with a bit of purpose and, mm-hmm. and so he did and he ended up overtaking Warner before he was out I think but yeah Warner finishes with an average of like 44.95 I think whatever, whatever it is it's because a, he was out it oh, sorry, yeah, back drops down. a bit back yeah, again 40, 44 and a half um, is you know, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good record to have as a test opener across 100 tests. Yeah, serious numbers overtaking VVS Lakshman for test runs today. Um, Sajid Khan, um, look, it's improbable he'll play test cricket again, or if he does, it'll be, he's not going to be their frontline spinner. Mm-hmm. I think we can kind of, we can say that. Um, well, he wasn't their frontline spinner here. He came yeah. in after two injuries. Abu Ahmed and Noman Ali were, yeah. were both ruled out of the series. Yeah, so I don't think he's long for the test world, but boy, he has a crack. Yeah. Those reviews today, the way that he had worn a trap leg before and then the he appeal. couldn't get it overturned when it was hitting 49.97% of oh. the stump. Bless him. He was looking at, I think he was talking to Michael Goff saying, but so much, but so much of the ball, how's that under? How's that, how's under? that? And the fact that he finally was, got his man Warner at the end felt 
felt fitting. Yeah, it was felt nailing. Fitting. It was nailing the bales. The one that was given, not out. The umpires hands in their pockets when Warner was batting. By yeah, the way, they yeah. were not prepared, especially <laughs> after the Kawaja marginal one. They were like, "We don't want to be the guys giving Warner out on an umpire's call here." Yeah, um, I, I can only assume not to malign their professionalism, but you know that would probably be a subconscious influence. Uh, hands in the pockets when appeals went up, and the one that actually got Warner out, Sajid's appeal. I love that he does the initial appeal and then a secondary appeal, and then he just like nothing happens, and he just gives this frustrated waggle of the hands, and he's like, "Come on, <laughs> you have to give that." And indeed, they did have to give that because it was smashing leg stuff. It was good. I enjoyed the series. Um, you know, people will look back in 20 years and say Australia beat Pakistan 3-0 again, but I, I feel sort of more upbeat than I mm. might have done. Well, certainly more upbeat than I did with the Windies last year. I'm gutted that I don't play Test cricket again until um, August. Uh, that, that's not ideal. They played two tests at home against Bangladesh in August and three against England at the very end of the year. So it'll be a sixth test year for mm. Pakistan again, which is insufficient. But um, let's not bang on about that. But I do think that under Shan Masood, who had a bad day today, he didn't get it right with the bowling, didn't have Jamal on before lunch. I hope, yep. that, I hope they weren't resting. Should, him. should have had Salman on had, earlier had as Salman. well. I hope they weren't resting Jamal's body for those T20s in New Zealand. That's mm. my conspiracy theory. I'm, I'm slight, slightly worried that's what they were doing I once they got off to the flyer. So. I mean, he, he did bowl later on in he the bowl later on, but he, you know, he should have. I mean, should have opened. You've got to give. I think you've got to give Mir Hamza the new ball for a couple of overs because yeah, he swings it. But then they brought Hassan Ali on next, and that yeah. was when Jamal had to come on. Yeah, um, and yeah, it. and Sajid worked. He got the wicket in his first over, so that did work. But then Salman Aga needed to come on pretty quickly because he was the better spinner through the test. Yeah, but anyway, you know, Pakistan under Shah Massoud, there is a way. There is a there is a sort of a, a nucleus there. Not everyone in this side is going to make it, but some of them might. Some of them could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had to rebuild again after 2010. Uh, sorry, rather 2011, 2010, sorry, the 2010 saga and drama at Lords. It didn't take long for them to become a serious force in Test cricket again. And I think they've, you know, they're, they're drawing something of a line under a couple of middling years. And, you know, I want to believe that under Shan Massoud they, they could be something. And I know we move on to the Windies next, and that's in all probability going to be less competitive than this series. But, um, you know, while they're still playing Test cricket against these nations, we'll rock up and We'll treat them with respect. Here's hoping. Uh, we have a final word live show in Sydney tomorrow Come. night. That's Sunday night at the Comedy Store, which is right next to the ground down here. Easy to find. Michael Bevan will be our guest. We'll be interviewing him on stage. Do come if do you're it. on the fence. I spoke to a bloke today who said, oh, I might come. I might, well, might come. Might come. No, no. Get, if, you, if you're in that might come sort of no. space now, there's no cricket on day five. Um, come to us instead. Yeah. It's going to be a bloody great night. These yeah. always are. Superb venue. Uh, a guest who doesn't do these types of things too often. A childhood hero to many. Uh, doubtless he's going to have a number of belting stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the place to be on Sunday night. The Comedy Store. Ticket link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Get off the fucking fence. Come to our live show. Get off the fence. And uh, we will get off the fence and get going. This has been the final word daily. We'll have more shows on the podcast feed during the week. We'll have a weekly show, story time, all the other things that we do. An interview we coming up as well. Aside from this particular program. And we'll, of course, be back with the daily show from the Test Match in Adelaide. That's it. Jeff Lemon, Adam Collins. We'll see you next time. Bye. Sorry if I ran out to empty wrote this, so you know what I meant here. I had to go about it.